I'm Gabriela Fresquez for Radar 2021. Americans have long been known for cherishing certain things. Oversized trucks, peanut butter, suing people, and our troops. And if it wasn't clear how much we loved our troops, how much we spend on them speaks volumes. And some percentage of that spending goes to ensuring the military accurately reflects the country it aims to protect. Because while the military used to be as multicultural as an episode of Friends, today, its diversity has become a selling point. That's the Army's latest recruitment video, which features soldiers from diverse backgrounds in order to appeal to a wide array of candidates. A far cry from the 1940s when women were excluded, or the 80s when gay people were, or 10 years ago when they couldn't serve openly, or earlier this year when trans people were still banned. One soldier profiled in the campaign is 23-year-old Jennifer Liriano, the daughter of Dominican immigrants who climbed to the rank of U.S. Army Reserve Sergeant. I'm U.S. Army Specialist Jennifer Liriano, and I answered my calling. But how likely is her story? One of the Army's biggest strengths, um, you know, over the last, you know, 12 years of my own service, uh, I've seen uh, the Army become a more diverse fighting force, more females inside the fighting force, more uh, different ethnicities, different backgrounds. I mean, the Army has a stigma for sure. You know, people think the Army and they have that quintessential soldier in their mind, you know, the, the typical white male that might be from like Idaho, but who played football in high school. But that's really not everyone's story in the Army. That's honestly the minority, I think. Most of the people that I met in the service have been people from, you know, Hispanic backgrounds, uh, African-American backgrounds. Myself, I'm Arab, you know, so we we're, we come from all over. And, you know, more often than not, you run, you encounter guys just like us. And it's, it's time, you know, given the social economic situation that we're facing in the United States, this is the time, I think, now to say, hey, this is what the Army is. We need to get rid of that stigma and really represent who we are in the Army, which is the people. Latinxes make up 17% of all enlisted military members, a stat consistent with the overall U.S. population, but only make up 8% of leadership. As rank increases, representation drops. Currently, I serve in the U.S. Army Reserve as a 31 Bravo Specialist. And this is a very important job for me because it ensures that I not only protect the U.S. Army, but as well protect the soldiers that serve within our ranks. It is very difficult when you do go in the higher um, ranks when it comes to uh, being in the officer route. We don't really see many uh, people who, uh, for example, that look like me, right? Um, and it's usually because uh, there has to be uh, more support to ensure that people who are in the enlisted route can one day uh, get there to the higher uh, ranks, can one day uh, be an officer. I wanted to know uh, what was happening. Why was there not much representation as well within our higher ranks? I was able to see that some of the factors that contributed to this was because of education, because of citizenship, but as well because there was no uh, guidance. For Latinx soldiers, many simply don't have the educational background to become a military officer. With a four-year college degree and an aptitude test administered exclusively in English, among a few of the requirements. But discrimination, as well as language and economic barriers, have historically contributed to the Latinx achievement gap in U.S. education. 
ultimately affecting which service members get promoted. That is exactly what I am currently seeing, and this is why I work very closely with the soldiers within the military to guide them of what are their options, such as that they could go to school, that they could get financial aid, that they could get grants. When it comes to amplifying its image, the military-industrial complex has a long history of partnering with companies like Marvel and Disney to create straight-up military propaganda in exchange for things like military equipment, consultation, and access to filming locations. But the latest military recruitment strategy is meeting Gen Z, the next group of potential service members, right where they live, online, especially on the live streaming platform Twitch. Where kids ages 13 and up log on to 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 play or to, to watch other people play or chat or can someone please explain Twitch? Sure thing, Gabby. Twitch is a platform that lets streamers build communities around their passions and talents. It also lets viewers interact with those streamers, where they can talk to them through Twitch chat. They can be there for the hype moments, and they can even support their favorite streamers through donations or even subscriptions. Twitch users watched over five billion hours of streams between April and June of 2020, up more than 50% from the previous quarter, right at the peak of our pandemic-induced staycations. So the U.S. military, via the U.S. Army esports team, sees an opportunity to beef up its investment in digital recruitment, spending 15 million dollars in 2020 alone across multiple online platforms, including Twitch. You don't go online and you can't be recruited from a video game. That's not how it works. Typically, what you'll do is you'll get information about how the army,、uh, you know,、uh, works, or information about different specific parts of the army, and then you might go out and contact a recruiter from there.、Uh, more to the point, that esports division,、um, you know, it's it's a part of、uh, our United States Army Recruiting Command.、Um, They're a great asset because they're like just an awareness platform, and it's really cool.、Um, you know, it's a way to reach out to the community. So, as far as the age question,、uh, that's an easy one.、Um, again, our job as recruiters and career counselors is to contact people and make sure they're qualified to join the United States Army. And if they're under age, we just establish a relationship. It'll be more like, hey, what do you want to know about the Army? What can I teach you? How can I help you bring that information back to your community, and and, and you can help us teach others about the Army. Understandably, these tactics have drawn criticism. Allow Congresswoman Ocasio Cortez to elaborate. Currently, children on platforms such as Twitch are bombarded with banner ads that link to recruitment sign-up forms that can be submitted by children as young as 12 years old. These are not educational outreach programs, but recruitment forms for the military. And it's not just AOC who's calling this out. For years, the ethics of the military's recruitment strategies have been questioned, giving rise to an entire counter-military recruitment movement. I grew up in a predominantly Latinx, low-income community, and I remember I was、uh, going to high school, and I was supposed to take like an AP Spanish class. The principal had、uh, gotten rid of the AP classes, and instead she、um, was introducing a new program to our school. It was the JROTC program. Sort of like a military science course where where students learn all about the U.S. military. Now know that over 40% of students who enroll in such a program end up enlisting in the military. Our academic opportunities were being taken away, and we were being pushed to instead pursue this military track. While other schools in the same district didn't even have a trace of military recruiters. 
we started thinking like, what, what is what is it that the administration is trying to tell us? So that's how I got involved. The military likes to equate Latinx values, whatever they deem those are, family, courage, you know, um, to, to the values of the military. And therefore they, they tell us, because of this, you would be great candidates to, to join, you know, the forces. While Project Yano doesn't necessarily tell young people if they should enlist in the military or not, what we do is we want to provide young people with the realities of military service that recruiters don't necessarily tell people. Today, we're seeing Latinxes enlist in the military at faster rates than any other community of color. In 2018, the states with the largest Latinx populations, California, Texas, and Florida, were also the three states with the highest rates of enlistment. And we have a long history of military service, even if we haven't always been recognized or compensated accordingly for it. wondered why the media doesn't feature Latino military heroes? Well, this one's for you. Let's start off with Marcelino Serna. Marcelino Serna emigrated from Mexico to Texas in 1916 at the age of 20. He wanted to be a U.S. citizen so bad that he was like, hey, you guys, I love this country a lot, and I really want to become a citizen, so I'll fight for you. So the Americans were like, okay, come to Europe with us and fight in World War One," which he did. Y como buen latino, Marcelino era tremendo chismoso. So one day in France, he saw an inter-German soldier, and he's like, tu sabes que? I'm going to follow this dude to the trenches, which he did. And there he found all the German soldiers and fired four freaking grenades and he came back to Texas as the most decorated Texan army hero ever well at least at that time so Marcelino Serna this one's for you Let's move on to our second hero. Our second hero's name was Carmen Contreras Bozak. She was born in Puerto Rico and lived in New York City. She wanted to be part of World War II so bad that she was like, hey, estoy aquí, enlist me. So she became the first Latina to be part of the U.S. Women's Army Corps. Back then, they needed bilingual people. So Carmen's like, eh, don't you know my name's Carmen? Que estoy pintada la pared. Yo soy puertorriqueña. So they enlisted her and they sent her to North Africa, which is very close to Spain. And she became an expert cryptologist who sent and received messages for then General Dwight T. Eisenhower, who later became a president. So, Carmen, you're a badass. This one's for you. Our next Latino military hero's name was Angel Mendez. He was born in New York City to Puerto Rican parents and fought in the Vietnam War at just age 20. Unfortunately, he's lost in life in combat while saving someone else's life, which was his lieutenant and platoon leader. Later on, that same lieutenant would become the Chief Justice of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Angel, you are incredible and you are a badass. If we don't tell our own stories, no one's going to do it for us. And this one's for you. In 2021, it's impossible to talk about Latinxes in the military without recounting the events at Fort Hood, Texas, involving then 20-year-old Private First Class Vanessa Guillen, whose tragic murder at the hands of a fellow soldier put a national spotlight on the unchecked abuse and ongoing harassment many soldiers face. It was it was such an honor, you know, to have your sister wearing that uniform that represents the United States. I know I at some point was looking into Air Force. I know my other sister Lupe was actually looking into following one of the steps into the army. And I'm in the position now where I wouldn't one hundred percent suggest having women enroll in the military. 
Maira is the sister of Vanessa Guillen, the soldier that was murdered and went missing in April 2020 at the Fort Hood Army Base in Texas. Her remains weren't recovered until June 30th, 2020. The Department of Defense took a year to not only admit that in Vanessa Guillen was indeed sexually harassed, but also, you know, it took them a year to admit their failures. In terms of justice for, for Vanessa, um, for my sister, I would like to see, um, first and foremost, you know, um, the bill passed that, that would certainly, um, focus on the justice system that needs to be changed in the military. The League of United Latin American Citizens, or LULAC, is championing the I Am Vanessa Guillen Act. What we're doing is advocating for several bills that are currently in legislation, one being the I Am Vanessa Guillen bill, which aims to uh, protect service members from alleged cases of sexual assault and sexual harassment. The I Am Vanessa Guillen Act is just one piece of legislation of a broader attempt at reforming the military. We are also um, supporting the Military Justice Improvement Act, also the Brandon Act, which is um, a suicide prevention bill. And also our subcommittee advocates for deported veterans. I will really like for the military to take ownership and acknowledge that there is a problem. There is a problem with military sexual assault. There is a problem with suicide. There is a problem with mental health overall. In fact, LULAC has urged for Latinas not to join the military until this legislation goes through. The military relies very heavily on our Latino community for their recruits. If you can't or if you won't protect us, then we're not going to encourage recruits. Vanessa Guillen's story has drawn attention from lawmakers, celebrities, and public figures, and has drawn particular outrage from Latinxes and women in the military. Although, you don't need to be either to be angry about it. I was so moved. I was invested in finding Vanessa. And a part of me was really hoping that we were going to find Vanessa alive. And I remember when I got the news that our soldier was found, and she was not found alive. And that was extremely heartbreaking. I really believe that no family should ever go through this. And then the other reality hits, which is Vanessa's not the only one. Because the reality is, Gan's story should infuriate all of us. Anything less would be completely antithetical to the idea that we value those who voluntarily protect and defend this country. When they started talking about her disappearance, it was very triggering because I was assaulted in 92. People knew that I was a sexual assault survivor, but they really didn't know the intricacies of what actually happened to me. And um, it was a friend. It was a phone call from a friend who served with me. And he's like, hey, what are you going to do about this? Are you going to do anything? And that night I stayed up and on my iPad going through every article that I could find. But what was interesting was that the more articles I found were Latino. And um, then when they found her body, then it turned into a different and advocacy completely. I was asked to join a grassroots movement of women veterans who were all, some of us are, are military sexual trauma um, survivors. And um, 
we really started looking at what are we going to do so Congress could see these, this is what's going on with women in the military. This is what's going on in Fort Hood. So Fort Hood needs to be investigated. They should have, everything should have stopped still and they should have gone looking for her. I testified alongside Melissa Bryant and we testified about what was going on. But if you look at it now, it's still hanging. It still hasn't been signed. One thing about assault and harassment in the military doesn't discriminate. We right now have a really huge opportunity. We can really really structurally change the face of military sexual harassment, sexual assault. Young people recruited by the military today are promised the hope of a better life. It's not inaccurate to see the military as an opportunity for upward mobility. I'm in the Air Force and the military in general does promote an esprit de corps and an opportunity to advance both personally and professionally. So the military could have a direct impact on the Latinx community as it provides a community that a lot of Latinx don't get to experience once they get here to the United States. The military also provides educational opportunities. They pay for you to go to school through the military. My job within the military is a 5RO. So what used to be called chaplain assistant is now religious affairs specialist. I served under Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Um, and being a gay man, I lived multiple personas because you couldn't, I couldn't live my best life and my true life under Don't Ask, Don't Tell for obvious reasons. So working in the church as an LGBT member is twofold. I was the avenue or the opening for a lot of folks who identified as LGBTQ to come into the chaplain corps and to seek assistance. The dangling carrot of paid college, among other military benefits, is enticing. At 18, I attended a one-on-one -on -one military recruitment meeting to explore my options for paying for college. Hi, my name is Agatha Wright. I'm a veteran of the United States military. I decided partly to go into the military because I knew that if I did, I would have assistance um, in getting through school. So it really changed my life. Student debt is real. I used the GI Bill when I went to school for my BA, but later on, I took some time off because I had a family. At the end of 2017, I applied for my master's and master's programs are really expensive. Getting that master's really changed my economic bracket. Um, going from here to here uh, with that degree. I do believe that education should be made much more accessible in the United States. Education is the backbone of any uh, society. It's what propels us forward in technology, in science, in, in arts, in, in, in general. Young Latinxes and others are looking for opportunities to advance socially and economically. And for a lot of people, enlistment has provided that. Well, you know, I'm, I'm originally from Los Angeles, born and raised. Growing up myself in the inner city streets of Los Angeles, you know, there were, there were a lot of perils, a lot of dangers that were there. There was nothing about that that was ever attractive to me. So, so I, I steered clear of it. However, I did see a lot of childhood friends go down that dark path and unfortunately, you know, lost a few of them along the way. I graduated high school. I graduated on a Thursday and three or four days later I was on my way to boot camp in San Diego and we literally spent I think 48 to 72 hours with little to no sleep so we were completely disoriented but I'm certainly glad that I made it through and that I was able to excel for sure. Oddly enough the roles that I find to be the most fun 
are the bad guys. <laughs> and I had the opportunity to be on a TV series called The Last Ship with Eric Dane. I didn't get to play military, but it definitely helped to be around all these people playing military roles. Just brought me back to my time, you know, on board ship when I was in the Marine Corps. So it was it was a great experience. The military certainly can can give you a sense of discipline, a sense of achievement, and also provide you an education that you can still transition into when you're done in the military into the civilian world. And certainly, um, when you're trying to get out of a neighborhood such as the neighborhood I grew up in, where there was so much gang violence. It certainly kept me out of that as well, and uh, and I'm so so thankful. As Americans, it feels like we're not allowed to say anything bad about the military, and given the dangerous and often deadly situations service members are forced to confront, our loyalty as citizens is expected, if not assumed. But where there's limitless praise and eternal deference, the same public skepticism we'd apply to other tax-funded American institutions is frequently absent. And that's not good for anyone, least of all our troops. I'm Gabriela Fresquez for Radar 2021. Thanks for watching Radar 2021. Please like, subscribe, and comment down below and let us know what issues are important to you. Because let's be honest, there are a lot of issues to choose from. <laughs> so, so many.